How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site, and look who decided to stick around for the big OA. Hi, Hi guys. Hi, guy. Guy and the team are getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up on the show. There's no denying the fact that investors love Netflix, but there's something in the charts that might have you hitting the pause button going into earnings. We will explain. Plus, we think the uh, the likelihood of this thing being reversed and overturned is really remote. So is that why so many options traders were buying so many calls today? We'll tell you where they see the stock going. And what happens when an options legend teams up with cable royalty to formulate one trade? TV history. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. Let's get to it because earnings season kicks into high gear next week with the first of the FANG stocks reporting on Monday. We are talking, of course, about Netflix. And despite a 4% sell-off today, shares have been absolutely glowing this year. See what we did there? Glowing show. Okay. Uh, shares are up more than 100% in 2018. This is a stock that tends to move big on earnings. So should today's price action have investors worried ahead of Monday's report? Let's get straight to the chart master, Carter Worth. Carter, what are you looking at? Well, so much depends on this stock and others of its type. Large, super cap, idiosyncratic growth names that are unto themselves until they're not. Red Hat a week or so ago. Anyway, the entire past decade, 2008 to 2018, one way you could draw the lines would be as follows. We have been in this well-defined ascending wedge, and then just this year being up as much as we are, we've broken out through the top of that. And that is a, a very bullish thing. And yet at the same time, often after doing that, you check back towards the top of the breakout juncture. So if I were to zero in on this phase, here we go. Not the past 10 years, but just the past two years. And this part right here. First, look at the trend line of the past two years. It's very well-defined, and as we know, we have bounced off the line, bounced off the line, bounced, bounced. But what we also know is whereas the angle was 45 degrees, 45 degrees, 45 degrees, it started to hockey stick. Let's zero in on this part right here. So now keep the trend line in. And then this part right here where it's actually gone, well, parabolic. At issue now is whether we're at risk of breaking that very steep intermediate downtrend line. That's my hunch. I think Netflix has downside risk. Its action was a little dodgy today. Yes, it had some news or a downgrade, but um, it's price for protection. The earnings will have to be just that. Perfect. Perfect. How am, I getting, <laughs> how am I getting roped into trying to short one of these stocks? Well, there might be a way that we could do this without risking a whole lot, because what's interesting about Netflix is if you go back to July of 2007, this is a stock that a month after they report earnings has been up 66% of the time, up an average of about 11% when it is higher. In those rarer cases where it has moved lower, the average is about 10%. What I'm looking at is going out to August, and I'm looking at the August 395, 370, 350 put butterfly. It's an asymmetric put butterfly. I would spend 22 bucks for the 395 puts, sell two of the 370s for 12 bucks a piece against it, and then buy one 350 put for $7. Net net, I'm spending five bucks. Now, an important point about this, obviously, we're going to make the most money if it runs to 370. Because the put fly is asymmetric, 
unlike a conventional flight, it's actually not going to lose money if it drops below that lower strike. So we're basically targeting a downside move to about 370 over the course of the next 30 days or so. And you know, you're only risking five bucks on a $400 stock. I would not short this thing, though, given that parabolic move, because if you get this wrong, that'd be very, very painful. Mace, a couple things. We have time here in this yes, world in this show. I like show. your jacket. I see, this see is you in look ones. what I did here. I yeah. put on my options action jacket and worldwide exchange notwithstanding, you and I started the day together at on six AM on the squawk box and we're ending it here now. Aww. Isn't that isn't that see that's what that's that we could Anyway, yeah. Netflix. Okay. So if CBW <laughs> is right, by the way, it might not take 30 days. It might actually take six or so hours on Monday when they report. If it's before the bell or after the bell, I forget. With that said, I've been very bullish in Netflix. I think the sell-off over the last day and a half, I can't explain why, but I think a lot of it has to do with the news we heard last night about AT&T and Time Warner. Maybe there's some crazy arb. Maybe people got long the name thinking there's more takeout premium. Maybe they don't think it's there now. I'll say this. Reed Hastings has done everything right over the last five years. I think the quarter will be fine, but maybe too much is priced in. If you do get it down to 370 and holds that trend line, it's a screaming buy. Well, that's right. But that's a lot. That's sad. I mean, if it were to go to that major trend line, that comes in at about 320. This is a $400 stock. That's a huge sell-off. It would take more than just an earnings miss. That would have to be the unwinding, of, to some extent, of large-cap tech. But what we do know is this stock has had 30 and 40 percent drawdowns along the way over the past five years. It's had two of them. And is anything perfect forever? That's the risk. So mm -hmm. the first thing is this. Remember, 98 percent of all capital is long only. If you are long only, is it something you might write calls against as a basic right or trim? But then more nuanced is something like this, and that's the point of the show. But do you just blindly stay long, believing that, you know what, 10 years from now, it's going to be much, much bigger? That's a long-term strategy, and that's not what this is about. You know, that's a good point, actually. Why, if you were long the stock, wouldn't you write calls against it? One of the reasons you might not do that is because actually going into earnings, options premiums are much lower than they have been historically. The other thing is that given that hockey stick move, is the play in that case to essentially say, okay, I think it's going to make that move and now it's going to tread water, or do we actually think that there's some risk? Either that the news is really good and that it continues the move it's been making, or that you get even a minor disappointment and it has a setback, and in which case I could see 10% downside quite easily. And that's one of the reasons why you wouldn't just say, okay, I think it's okay to do a buy right in Netflix we at these levels. We see a 10% down move in Netflix, which is the average move right after earnings right. we've seen. If it does move down, does that mean bad things for Fang in general and for tech? It should be, you know, you would think since the market has been so narrow in its leadership, it should mean bad things for tech, but more broadly, the broader market. Yet here we are at 2,800 in the S&P. So I'm not sure what stops the S&P. 10% move gets you to 360. So basically the level you flagged in that option strategy. And I do think, you know, if Carter's right, it happens a lot quicker. You see moves a lot faster these days. So again, I'm not certain it would take all that long. I think if, if he is correct and they do disappoint, whatever they say, you know, the move down to 360 could take place over the course of 48 just hours. Just to put it in context, in the autumn of 2014, the stock dropped 42 percent. In February of, of 16, it dropped 41 percent. Is the stock much higher? Of course. But stocks have setbacks even in big uptrends. Could it be as bad as a red hat? Probably not. But you had a 10 percent implied move. What if it's not as good? What if it's not perfect? Yeah, I mean, I think the key here is that we, we are asking a lot of questions. What if? What if? What if? Well, my answer to that is, Risk five bucks to make the directional bet on a $400 stock. That's not a lot, relatively speaking. And, you know, if it really hit that sweet spot and it runs to 370 or something like that, you're talking about a payoff of four to one. Mm -hmm.
All right. From new to old school media, investors hanging up on AT&T as shares are trading near their 52-week low. This comes as the government once again challenges AT&T's acquisition of Time Warner. AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson had this to say about the appeal on our network earlier today. We think the, uh, the likelihood of this thing being reversed and overturned is really remote. It's a, it's a very narrow path that would have to be traveled to get this thing reversed in any way. So we're about executing our plan. The merger's closed. We own Time Warner. And the options market seemed to agree with that assessment. Calls outpaced puts two to one in a series of trades that garnered a fair amount of attention. There were big buyers of the July 32 strike calls that expire next week. Almost 19,000 of them traded hands. Um, what do you think, guys, the worst over for uh, T? I don't think I don't think the worst is over for letter T closed down one and a half one and three quarters percent today. The stock traded lower when this deal was basically finalized and it's traded lower when now they're trying to break up this deal. So what is the catalyst to get it higher? You don't really have any earnings growth. You have a lousy balance sheet. Craig Moffat talks about that all the time. And you have the direct TV deal of years ago that doesn't seem to be paying any real dividends. So they seem to be in no man's land here. If I'm AT&T, I would think about, if you're changing your business, maybe cutting the dividend entirely at a certain point. The market might actually like that. But I do think there's a better chance to see 29 in this stock than back up to 35. You know, I think one of the reasons we saw this unusual options activity, I mean, the stock's weakness, I think, was actually supportive of the idea that this latest government effort actually isn't going to get anywhere. Because I think if they thought they might actually break up the deal, then the stock would respond in the opposite direction. Mm. Because obviously it was weak when they basically got that favorable ruling. The thing is, those July 32 calls that you were just talking about, nearly 20,000 of which traded hands, those things are about 15 cents, all right? So those expire a week from today, and buyers of those are essentially betting that the move it made today could reverse in one week. And that, I think, actually is possible. I mean, uh, technically, and Guy knows this, having sat on major desks for many years, this stock is hovering at well-defined lows at a common level. They're intermediate lows. Their 52-week lows and their five-year lows. It has a lot of breakdown potential. I think ANTT goes lower. It goes lower. That's what it looks like. Wow. Do we see any other activity in, in this space? I mean, the ripple effects based on this move by the government would seem to be many. Yeah, Are so trading uh, that way. Well, I mean, I, one of the things I think is that most people do not believe that the, this effort, this is a last-ditch effort by the government. Uh, this is a vertical integration, not taking out a horizontal partner, so it's not a big competition issue. I think that the ruling that they got, uh, that Judge Leon gave, was actually very, you know, I've read a portion of it, it looked very reasonable. You know, we did see an uptick, actually, for the first time in basically mobile phone bills, which is, you know, one of the things that's really been an overhang for this industry. They've been competing, revenues have been entirely flat, the only thing they had going for them was high, it was, uh, high dividend yields. And, you know, if we did see some uptick in revenues, that could be a positive. But I, I think the deal's going to go through, and I think that's going to be a positive for M&A activity across the space. All right. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Rumor has a guy reads it every night before bed. Oh, come on. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. Two legends, one trade, and a segment that will rock the options world. That's next. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. 
How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Now you're not looking at a scene from a horror movie. You are looking at a chart of General Electric, and it's been a straight nightmare for investors as the stocks plunged 50% in the last year, has gotten booted from the down to sitting near its lowest levels in nearly a decade. And it could get worse for the company when it reports earnings next week. The options market's expecting a 4% move in either direction, so how should you play it into the event? So we're trying something a little different tonight and kicking it to Guy and Professor Co. over at the Plasma with an options action Tag team. This is how it's going to work. Guy's going to lay out his thesis. Mike's going to help him make a trade. So, Guy, kick it off. See, this is this is TV history, by the way. Just I know we pointed that out. I would like to point it out as well. And you made a great point. Why should this nightmare not continue? I think GE has been dead money now for years, and we've talked about that on Fast Money. But I actually have three reasons why I think it's going to continue to go lower. Number one, no activists. If GE was a screaming buy, wouldn't you think a high-level activist like a Carl Icahn or a Nelson Peltz, wouldn't this be the 800-pound gorilla, the, the white rhino that they'd love to bag? Yet you hear no activists in this name at all. Gives me caution, gives me pause. Number two, I think you saw the relief rally. You saw it from 12 and three quarters to north of 14 in a short amount of time after the CEO made some comments a week and a half, two weeks ago. That was a great relief rally, got everybody excited, but nothing has fundamentally changed and they haven't addressed the real concerns about the company. And number three, if they report a good quarter, why would they give strong guidance going forward? There's absolutely no upside for them to give constructive guidance. They'll give muted guidance because that's the smart thing to do. All three of those things add up to me, a stock that's probably going to continue its trajectory to the downside. However, in order to put on an options trade, I can't do that myself. You know what I have to do, Mel? Please tell me. Tag team, Mike. Come on, Michael. Right there. All right. Well, let's take a look at what we can do from an options perspective, taking a look at what Guy was just talking about. You know, General Electric, one of the things that Melissa referenced at the beginning of this segment was the fact that the implied move was 4%. That's bigger, actually, than the historical earnings move for General Electric. And it should be, because as the stock price declines, the company's equity is becoming increasingly leveraged. There's a lot of uncertainty there. And I think, to your point, all of those bolsters potentially to the stock are gone. So those higher options premiums are actually justified. So I think we ought to just keep this very simple. I'm just looking out at the July 14 puts. You could spend 30 cents to buy those. And basically, all we're doing here is risking a small amount of the stock price in case the stock goes a little bit lower. And the important point I think we ought to make, because this stock has been moving around quite sharply, is what the probability is that it hits that break point. And the fact is that it only needs to get down to 1370, because we're spending 30 cents on that put. The probability of that is better than 50-50 just in the next five trading days. So given how volatile the stock has been, given the trajectory that the stock has been making, I think the simplest thing to do is a really simple trade, and that's just buy those 14 strike puts for 30 cents. Carter, what do you think of GE? Well, I mean, look, we know it's a disaster. In fact, uh, we've tried on the show at one point earlier in the year to look for a bottom, and, and the reality is it's continued lower. But what we do have is a circumstance 
where it has not made a new low in the better part of two or three months. And the downtrend in that sense has been interrupted. Uh, my hunch is that, uh, that whatever bad is coming, that a great deal of it, uh, if not all of it, might well be priced in. And there is something else to keep in mind. There is a bit of a history where a stock being removed from the Dow, by the time you're kicked out of school, uh, a lot of the trouble has been done. The last one was Alcoa, and Alcoa had one of its best years in the ensuing 12 months. Um, yes, the stock peaked in 2000. Think about that. And then in 2007 high, made a lower high. And then a lower high uh, again two years ago. At some point, this is bottom fishing, it has the prospects that it is putting in a bottom. That's my hunch. And Mel, can I make a quick clarification because yes. I misspoke. Nelson Peltz has been in General Electric, so I did miss. My point is, you know, you haven't seen the Carl Icons, the Ackmans. You haven't seen a lot of noise around the stock other than him. So I'm sorry that I misspoke, but my point should still be well taken, I think. You know, I, I think one other thing we're going to just take a look at here, and that is that ultimately when you're trying to make a directional bet in situations like this, where it either has reached a bottom, to Carter's point, or it's just going to continue a lot lower because it really has been moving. This is the case where an options premiums might be a little bit higher than they have been historically, but they're actually still a fair price to buy at that level. And that's one of the reasons we're not looking at doing something complicated like buying a spread in this particular instance. 30 cents, not a lot to risk if you're inclined to make a bearish bet here. All right, cable TV history in the books, guys. Good job. <laughs> Still ahead, Johnson & Johnson sinking today after being ordered to pay out nearly $5 billion in a lawsuit. But there's something in the charts that could be signaling a turnaround. We'll explain. Plus, have an options question for one of the traders. Send us a tweet to add options action if it's nice, because it's a, if it's a good one and it's nice, we'll answer it later on in the show. So try it out. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Much more options action right after this. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Last month, Mike and Carter said Johnson & Johnson was gearing up for a breakout. J&J &J is trading almost lockstep with beaten down consumer staples. And we know consumer staples have started to come to life. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen to J&J. &J. I was looking out to September, the 125, 135 call spreads. You could spend $3.15 on the 125 calls, sell the 135s against it for 55 cents. And they were right, the stock rallying nearly 4% since the time of the trade, although it did sell off some today after the company was ordered to pay a nearly $5 billion fine to women who say talcum powder gave them cancer. So what are you doing with J&J uh, now, Mike? So, you know, obviously yesterday we were looking like a hero. Today we're about break even on this trade, but my inclination is to stay with it. We still have some time until September expiration. What are your thoughts? I would, I would concur, as the expression goes. I mean, it's a nice recovery off the low. The damage today, news-related, was contained, at least on the chart. I think we're okay.
think it changing? I think it's fine. I think they report on July 17th. The earnings have been pretty strong. I mean, value, you can make an argument maybe at 15 times they're getting a little ahead of themselves, but I think you'd rather compare it to a Procter & Gamble. So if you like Procter & Gamble at close to 19 times, I think you got to love Procter & uh, Johnson & Johnson at 15 times. And I do think this sell-off on the back of this news was muted, and I think it does rally into earnings and post-earnings. All right. Also last month, Dan said shares of cigarette maker Philip Morris were about to heat up. We know that this is one of these stocks where it had fundamental headwinds, but also this issue of rising rates over the last year or so. So that 5.5% dividend with the stock down here is starting to look kind of interesting. When the stock was trading around 79.10, you get the July uh, 80, 87.5 call spread that cost you $1.50. And heat up they did. The stock's surging nearly 7% since the time of that trade, as you might have noticed. Dan isn't here today. But don't worry, we were able to catch up with him soaking up the sun in Lake George with a very special update on the trade. Hey, Options Action fans. Sorry I can't be there this week, but I wanted to quickly give an update on a trade that I detailed back in June in Philip Morris International, ticker PM, when the stock was trading around 79.20. Um, I detailed the trade buying the 80, 87 and a half call spread in July before their Q2 earnings, which are going to come this week with the stock near 83. That trade is worth more than a double, about 3.30. I think it makes sense to take profits on that one and not uh, have the risk into the earnings print. Have a great weekend, guys. Bye. Does that make Dan Skipper or Gilligan or? I think he was, a, I think he was the skipper there. It's all boats. <laughs> make some Tom right. Hanks in that, that other dopey movie with the ball. Yeah. We'll see Dan next week. Uh, Carter, so. what, do you, what do you think? With makeup. I mean, look, the stock had the horrible drop in gap uh, four or five months ago. It's basing, and I think the basing process has more to go. You know, this is one of those situations where, you know, it, the options are really inexpensive in stocks like this. And if you're going to be making a play directionally, I think the trade that, that Dan looked at made a lot of sense. Uh, he gave himself nearly 10% worth of upside, and he really didn't spend a whole lot to do it. And that's going to decay very, very little day to day if you're making bets like this. It's been holding $80 for a while, but it's the old adage. How long does the market give you to buy the lows? And I'm not sure it's giving you all that much time, which means that it probably has another leg lower. You don't get four or five months to buy a stock at the lows, in my opinion. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Uh, here's one. From Suman, when selling naked puts or covered calls, how do you determine if the option premium is adequate or not? Professor Ko. Okay, so that could be a complicated uh, question to answer if it obviously varies by stock. But here's a simple way to think about it. I try to get about 12% at least per year annualized. So that would mean if I'm selling a one-month call or put option, I'm looking to collect about 1% of the stock price or more. 12%. Time for the final call. Carter. Netflix, seller and earnings. Mike. GE at the money puts and earnings. Thanks for joining us, guys. Oh, I, I love being in OA. Croatia in the over there, peeps. All right. Our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks for watching. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money is up next. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.